You're listening to The After Session with Philip Lewis. I'm a therapist based in Washington, D.C., and I hope to provide my perspective on work done throughout the therapeutic process. Some of what you'll hear will be interviews with other mental health professionals or former and current clients. In this case, these interviews are voluntary, not conditional to the status of a person presently in therapy, and those interviews are not considered a therapeutic session or a recommendation for forms of treatment. If you are interested in starting your therapeutic process or engaging in a protocol or technique referenced, please make sure you contact your mental health or medical provider. Thanks for listening. So Satima Davis is back at the after session. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for flying in mm-hmm. and hanging out. I appreciate it. It means a lot. So today um, we're going to talk about how therapists are like shoes. Well, an example. Mm-hmm. So for those listening, uh, Satima makes fun of me. Well, not makes fun of me, gives me shit all the time. <laughs> because maybe once a week, I'll call her and be like, man, I got this client and I'm going to go ahead and transfer him to somebody else. <laughs> or give him a referral and her a referral or them a referral mm-hmm. and uh, and let them know that I ain't the one, <laughs> not today. <laughs> and she's all, oh, meet them where they are. That's right. Everybody needs somebody. <laughs> and I'm just like, that somebody might not be me. Yeah. Um, so the the blog, if if you um read what I write on Substack, or if you don't, just shoot me an email and I'll get you some get you connected so you can read some of my stuff. I write about how um well, let me go back. I was in session with a runner, I think. I can't remember if he's a runner, but we were talking about um, just the way life shows up and people who show up in our lives and how um, some relationships are to be of use, I believe. I mean, not like you use people. Right. Definitely. They have a purpose. You have a purpose in my life, Satima, mm-hmm. and I hope that I have a purpose. You in do. Okay. So, so and, and that's the way it's supposed to be. So um, I couldn't think of how to articulate this. And for those who have me in therapy, you know, I always come up with examples or your storylines or, you know, just stuff from my past or that you've shared with me, whatever it is. So I'm staring down at the floor and there's a, a pause and then I see his shoes and there's these like, I, don't, I can't remember the name at the moment, but they're like $200 running shoes, right? And I'm like, what size shoe do you wear? He goes, I wear a nine or something. I was like, oh, okay, I wear a 13. So... If I your shoes are great, right? He's like, yeah, they're these, and he tells me about how many miles he can run in these shoes without switching them up and all of the things. I said, so they're good shoes, and he's like, yeah. I said, but they'd be trash for me. And he's like, what? And I said, because I wear a size thirteen, and you wear a size nine or eight, (laughs) right? And um, the shoes they're just the same price. They can get you those miles you you express. They can um, you don't have to throw them away after running a couple hundred or whatever it is. They're great shoes for you, but I can never use them. So for me, they're useless. Mm-hmm. There's no purpose in those shoes. And he's like, yeah. And I said, so sometimes that's how like this therapy thing goes with therapists. And I think this was like a transition. Yeah. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I was encouraging him to find another therapist. Oh, okay. I wanted to stay, um, stay with me. And I was just like, sometimes, you know, through no fault of our own or maybe an ability to open up or all of these things, we find ourselves in a therapeutic relationship that is not serving the client in any way. And it doesn't mean that I'm a bad therapist because my ego is intact. Like, I, I don't think that I have any issues with with uh, my work or what I can produce. But in some instances, when um, folks aren't feeling uncomfortable or, or are feeling uncomfortable, and I try to make them feel comfortable mm-hmm. and it, it just doesn't work. Or there are some, I notice that a lot of people come in projecting things about what they think I might be like and my personality style Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And I'm sure maybe on a picture I look very serious and like uh, mean, but if you know me, I don't take nothing seriously. Right. (laughs) I joke pretty often Mm -hmm. and laugh at awkward moments and all of these things. So I think sometimes that skews the work that comes in to, to my office. So I was encouraged and I have my list of providers ready that I hand to them, you know, and say, these are some folks who might be good fit for you, all of these things. And it just like blows their mind. Or And I think sometimes they get 
offending or think it's something about them. So that's why I wrote this, right? Because there are a lot of different ways that a therapeutic relationship can evolve or we get stunted, right? Um, You know, there's some things we're working on, some things we can't, all of that stuff. But doesn't mean that therapy isn't necessary. Doesn't mean that the therapist may be trash or whatever it is. It just means that the shoes you are wearing are good for this moment in time or this activity or this person. And you might need to find a different pair to do something differently or move in a different direction on your journey. Does that make sense? It does. I think it's important for the therapist to know their boundaries as well as for the client to be able to build a really good rapport with their therapist in order to do really good work. Right. Um, so what I really want to say is this, though. With the story that you just told me, was it the client that was ready to leave or was it that you felt as the therapist that the work you've done with this client had reached its peak? So here's, here's the thing that Satima knows that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> so so y- y'all getting the after-after session at this point. <laughs> so I am very impatient in therapy and I am working on Good. We talk about that a lot. Meeting the client where they are not rushing them through the process. Um, Sometimes I see things that I know, I feel, feel, not I know, I feel needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's emotionally and physically reconcilable for that client. And I need to leave it alone. Right, because you're meeting them where they are. Where they are. Mm -hmm. But if you come into my office and you tell me about your week, week after week, I ain't got time for that. But isn't that a part of building the relationship with the client? Of course. Maybe so for the first two or three sessions. You tell that's about, that's about three you know, weeks, that, right? Yeah, that's about three weeks. Mm-hmm. But after we get into treatment, now I'm a clinical practitioner. Okay? Yes. <laughs> like after we get into treating what you came in here to address or what you wanted to explore in therapy. Mm-hmm. Once we get through that, this is my thing, I think, too. Once we get through that, and it seems like we have skills or it's no, it's resolved or we're now in a new phase of life, They de- I feel like they default back to how the week was going because they get used to coming in and talking and having the support and having this person who will listen to them without judgment, right? without um, all of these things. And in my mind, this is not supposed to be the only space for that. You but it may, those, but, it may be but that space. may be the only space the in only their space life in that moment. That and that so moment. Yes. and that may be where you have to like shift the therapy mm-hmm. to yeah. say, okay, now it's time for you to build a relationship. Exactly. And they still need that. And they still need you though. I, I wholeheartedly agree. But so 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 let let me clarify. Okay. After we've gone through rapport building, okay. the initial phase mm-hmm. of therapy. We've gotten to treatment. Yes. Right? And now we're, in my mind, facing termination or the termination. Yes. Is talking about how to build these relationships. We're talking about engaging socially. We're talking about how to run from these negative type of relationships. Like yes. I always say, if somebody tries to save you, run. <laughs> Nobody right. needs to save That's you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we talk about all these different phases, in these three phases of, of okay. the computer process, we get to them, and I am teaching you skills. We're talking about socialization. Hey, there's this app. There's this thing you can get, go friends, go go out, all of the to be social in this non-social world right now. Right, man, right. Everybody is just weird after COVID. Okay. <laughs> are their true authentic self? Or, or their true authentic <laughs> self? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for reeling me in. So after we've gotten through all of that, yeah. I think some people just get comfortable. They do. And that's that's not So let me ask you this as a therapist then. Mm-hmm. When you first start your sessions, do you give them a time frame of how long oh, yeah. you think it's oh, going yeah. to take? Oh, yeah. And uh, so well, I take that back. So for some I'll say I I think we should do this technique for 3 or 4 weeks. Okay. And then we'll switch to this techniques for about a month or whatnot. And then we'll get we'll decrease our time frame with them. Yes. So I'll see you for three for weekly at this point. And then maybe after four sessions of this, we'll stop to every other week. Then I give the option for monthly. But after okay. monthly, so you phase them out I gradually. Phase them out. I phase them out gradually. There's a few that I have not. Yes. And I'm learning because I'm a human. Right. So there are a few that I'm just like, 
call Jesus. Don't call me. Right. Here's a referral <laughs> and, list. And there's a referral list and my license is right here. If you need a complaint to file or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yes. But um, other than those very few instances, I'll okay. say other than those very few instances, I phase it out. And I talk about termination. Right. Like, as we oh, yeah, first and Even in my first session, when I explain who I am or whatever, I say I am a brief solution focused therapist. Okay. If you were here two to three years from now. Yeah. I'm retiring because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? There's mm -hmm. something wrong with me. Now, I do have some clients who life happens, right. right? And the life that we were in or the place we are in, we got the adequate skills for, we handle things, but then life just happened to us, yes. right? And now they're back, which is okay because we're working on some new things. We're learning more things about each right. other because th therapy is not just about the client, in my mind, mm -hmm. you know? I believe there's a reason why people seek me out for, as a therapist, right? So I don't know what that is or that reflection thing we talk mm -hmm. about or whatever it is, but you want to see or want to feel like someone is doing the work with you. Absolutely. So we're both like learning. And I tell my clients that all the time, um, even when we're about to terminate and, you know, most clients are, thank you, you know, right. you really helped all of these things. And I tell them, well, it only worked if you were willing to do the work. I that is the only way therapy will work, right. period. You do the work. I, would mm -hmm. say, I'm, I always say I'm sitting in the car. Mm -hmm. I might be holding the map and letting you know which way is left, where, where right will get us, mm -hmm. or turning around, or, or what the speed limit is on this road. Right. But you're the one driving. You're the one who puts the foot on the gas, and you're the one who makes the turns. And if you don't do that, we will get nowhere. True, because at the end of the day, all we can do is encourage a person to take the therapeutic tools that we're giving them right. and use them to work exactly. to their advantage. Exactly. So to answer your question, a long way to answer your question, yes, yeah. I'll talk about termination okay. right away. First yeah. session, usually. I always say, hopefully you don't see me. I always say, <laughs> I am a therapist. I may not always be your therapist. Right. Right? Um, and, and we'll get this work done, and, and hopefully it'll be exhausting, but, but it'll be right. lovely at the same time, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll get it done. So to that end. Okay. Tell me what you, you think I need to work on. Now that you've explained, because normally when we have our conversations, yes, which yes, is literally right. every day, yeah. right? Uh -huh. So um, I just hear, you know, we use each other to really uh, bring... Consultation, or I got this case. Right. This, and of course, for those listening, this is never, hey, Jimmy John or whoever right. is. No, I've never we said that. We follow HIPAA. Exactly. Here, <laughs> uh, here, here's this case conceptualization. Yes. Right? Well, here's what's going on and. And this person and blah, blah, blah. And, and we know each other personally. So right. she'll, she'll check me and say, hey, um, is this a person that reminds you of so-and-so from my mm -hmm. that now you're having a reaction to? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But go ahead. So listening to how you actually terminate the clients, mm -hmm. it makes more sense. Okay. Because when we're talking, it's just like, fill up. You're in faith. Yes, absolutely. Right. So um, as long as you're walking through them through the therapeutic process and gradually, you know, allowing them to terminate when they're ready mm -hmm. for the most part. Right. Then I think it's OK. We, we never get to that part, though. What do you mean? We never get to oh, the part uh, when we you and mm -hmm. I are talking about. No, because no, I, I always call you with the frustration. Yes. Yeah. It's either I don't know if I want to hold on to this person. And I'm always like, you should hold on to this person. <laughs> or this person won't leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now, actually, but that's a good point because, you know, depending on the uh, the person you're working with. So I always say like the geriatric population, they're a little bit more difficult or to terminate. On. Yeah, because yes, they're at a different stage. They really are at a different stage. And while we may have addressed the presenting concern yes yeah afterwards they still they do they yeah. do yeah so, so i still have a few that i and, and that worries me you know that makes me anxious because you don't no. have attachment issues i don't know about it well it's but it's, it really is hard with the geriatric yeah. population now to um just kind of terminate them as needed mm -hmm. you know when we know we've right. done the work right. Um, because they still need that connection. And connection is necessary for survival. Those are the two things I always say, too. We have to connect and we have to self-preserve, yeah. you know, um, to survive, to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you. Um, so I have some folks, when we are talking about termination, um, 
who always encouraged to find other forms of therapy because I don't think it necessarily always has to be in a clinical mm-hmm. setting. What are your thoughts on that? So it depends. Okay. So I do believe that, and like we were just saying before, you should have some sort of support system even once therapy is terminated, right? But hopefully while you're in therapy, you are helping that individual to understand what healthy relationships are. And so if they if they have that support, um, once therapy has terminated, making sure someone that can actually still help them to be in a mentally healthy space, right? right? right. So when you ask about having someone to um, continue with their therapy, but not in a therapeutic setting mm-hmm. with the air quotes, mm-hmm. um, as long as it's a healthy relationship, right. someone that can still hold that person accountable, still help that person on their journey where it's needed, um, because sometimes we can go back to old relationships mm-hmm. and old it can old habits mm-hmm. and it can just totally negate everything that you've learned in therapy. So it's really talking about which is normal for those, which is OK. You know, sometimes we get used to things and, and patterns and then we forget to wake up in the morning and meditate or do the school right. or whatever, because we're feeling great because there's no reason to when our mind is primed to just keep working and keep finding the new things. For So for those of you who are listening. If you find yourself falling back into old things, mm-hmm. that is normal because you're human and you have the human condition. And we get bored with things, and that's okay too. Then you find a different way to f- do, do therapy or to work on yourself or whatever it is. And I think this healing process come back to you. or connecting with a the therapist, there you mm-hmm. go, or connecting with a the therapist. I think this healing thing never really ends. This growth and healing, it's a continual process. We just find new ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sorry, you were saying no. But I just think that um, it's important to have those connections outside of therapy, but to make sure that they are helping you to continue on your journey, right, right. You know, your healing journey. Right. And I always say people and things, right? Because just this morning, I got up and you were annoyed, <laughs> and I was singing. I was not annoyed by the singing. That is not what I was annoyed by. <laughs> Well, we get up at different times, okay, <laughs> and have different. I was annoyed by the alarm right. clock. That's what from another room, and it was just kept going off every five minutes. Okay, so I I tend to be a bit more productive in the morning. Okay. If that's what you would like to. Go. <laughs> so I am like singing my head off. Yes, it's like are you like this every morning? Do you sing every day or whatever? And that's my therapy. Like when I'm cool. like, when I'm getting up and I'm like, okay, I got some some stuff to do and I it's the weekend and I don't want to get up and I've had a long week of saying so many people, yes, the nonprofit and all this stuff. Let me sing a silly song and just be a silly person and just laugh and create laughter at whatever time in the morning. That's my therapy. So I would say people and things like there are things yes. that can be therapeutic at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. Why do you think it's important to recognize that the work, what has worked for us in the past, is not going to work for the new challenges we might be facing? Well, I think as you grow and you heal, mm-hmm. you slowly become a different person. And so certain traits or habits that we had before that were coping mechanisms, they're not going to work as well if you're looking for a different outcome. Right. Right. So... When we talk about, let's say someone made you upset in a grocery store, Mm -hmm. whereas before your coping mechanism might have been to curse the person out or, as we like to say, check a person or, you know, let them know about themselves or just address the issue. Mm -hmm. If you're working on yourself and you're healing and you're realizing, you know, this person is not worth me giving my power away, you look at it in a different light. So you might look at that person and say, they're having a bad day today. I don't know what it is, but it has nothing to do with me. So you don't give your power away to that person. You walk away and you put it back on the individual who actually is giving you that negative energy. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so as you're growing and healing, you just, you, you see things in a different light and you tend to handle things in a different way. So that's why certain things no longer work. Right. Because you're taking your power back. Got it. As a therapist, though. (laughs) 
I have people who come into my office and say, you know, I did CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral mm -hmm. therapy, for mm -hmm. those listening, for the last seven years with my old therapist, and yeah. they retired, and now I'm looking for a new therapist to do CBT. Mm, seven years? Yeah. Well, let's, let's not <laughs> dog anybody. Well, I'm not. I'm just saying. Seven years. Just saying, they've uh, they, they've been with the therapist for seven years, and now they want to come to me, and they're like, "Oh, I see you do CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, yes. do some cognitive behavioral therapy." And I take an assessment, and I'm like, "Oh, you were responding to trauma, so maybe some exposure therapy would be good for you, okay? Or written exposure, or rational mm -hmm. motive behavior therapy, or let's you know try these other things, okay?" And I'm like, no, cognitive behavioral therapy has been wonder done wonders for me in my trauma for the past seven years or whatnot. And immediately, I'm already reaching to my list of things. I, I see it in your face. <laughs> in the corner of the room on my desk. <laughs> like, I see it. I'm like, oh, God. He's like, well, here are some good CBT therapists, right? You know, no, but when just like at the grocery store, how do you think if you were talking to someone who was seeking a new therapist and mm -hmm. they wanted to explore something that they have historically um, used or, or um, have seen that it has helped okay. and served them in the old way for their trauma. But now they come to this new therapist who has a different perspective, who sees, um, who's done a psychosocial, right. who sees the things a little different than the previous therapist. Okay. And a me, in my mind, I'm not working for you for seven, with seven, seven. We days. know this. Um, yes. So <laughs> how can you give me some advice on how I can help this person understand that the old way of doing therapy right. may not serve you in this clinical setting called, you know, Lewis and Associates. Right. So I think it goes back to the title of this podcast, Therapist Are Like Shoes. And so I think... Um, just talking to the individual and letting them know, I'm glad that that worked for the last seven years. But now that you're here to see me, we're going to do things a little bit different to help build on those skills. And so building on those skills that you already have learned, we're going to use a treat, a different treatment modality, a different form of treatment for everybody. And uh, let's see if it works. Let's give it a chance. How do you convince them? See, this is this is where my hidden change. This is where because I have like two or three patients after you. Yes, right, and I got to conserve my battery for everybody that I'm seeing today. Yeah, but this is a co consultation, right? right? So, well, I don't do consults much. You, oh, you don't do. Okay, yes. Okay, well, <laughs> I I have people that I need to serve, and if I'm doing consults all the time, it decreases the the time that I have with those who want to get yes. in and do this work. Okay, so this is the intake this session. Is the intake. Okay, so even in the intake session, you can still present them with a new treatment. Right, right. And, and I'll say, you know, and this is efficacy. This it has this percentage rate for this yes. thing. I go through it all. Right. And if there's still some resistance. I can go ahead and send them to somebody. No, you cannot. <laughs> what you can do is say, we are going to give this a try, mm -hmm. see how it works. And if you still feel uncomfortable or still desire to have a therapist that only will do CBT with you, then I will refer you. Then I've had a few assess, but you do CBT, so why don't you want to do it? But you've done CBT for seven years. There you go. Are y'all listening? Those shoes. Those shoes. Need to be exchanged. <laughs> you want a different journey. Right. Yeah, and that, and that and that's exactly how you present it. You're on a different journey and a different oh, man. Yeah. Right. When you got these size eight, I got thirteen. We we they both shoes. So so what you're saying is that you referred him after the first day, or did he stay around and um actually continue treatment? Quite with you? interestingly enough, I referred him. Mm-hmm. My poor brother went through everybody on that list. He did. And came on back. Right. And then said, I, I see what you're talking about. And uh, and we did some good work. And so in my mind, right, I think as a therapist, maybe if we would have just maybe had one more session, we would have saved him that trip of having to see, like, however many therapists were on that list. But that ain't, you think that's my, my, my job? I do, because this person is still coming for help. Right. And you see the issue. You see that. They're stuck in they one form of treatment. They, were really willing to in, un, they weren't willing to engage. 
And in my mind, this is so for those of y'all that are listening, this gets a little, this is where our arguments start to cuss <laughs> when, when we on the phone. So I'm trying to moderate myself. So in my mind, me convincing you of these things takes up space for somebody else who's ready. But that's not true because this person still needs help. I hear you. And I gave them the help. No, you did not. I mean, they didn't well, want you the did. help that I was offering at the moment. They didn't right. know that they needed the help that you were offering because they were used to a form of treatment for the last exactly. seven years. Which is why I said. So that's like someone coming into your office seeking treatment. Well, this may be a little extreme, but let's say that they're in an abusive relationship and which, emotionally abusive, right? Which I call out all the time. It yes. Sometimes jars people when I say. But you're not going to say, okay, here's a here is a, a list of uh things. No, I show them why that it's abusive. Exactly. Okay. And, and right, and I do the same thing. This is rational motive, or this is written exposure therapy. This is how it works. This is the efficacy rate. We can go through eight sessions, right? It's a it's a it's a it is a protocol, right? You're not supposed to do it for this long or, or whatever it is. We should see some change, and I'm going to test you and give you some scores before, and I'm going to test you after, right? And we are going to see if this has some proof in it. Like, don't believe me. So what's the believe difference? The they want to stick with CBT. There's no difference. I'm saying that, that I go through this in a session and they will say, but you can do CBT. And I like CBT, so let's continue with CBT. And I'm thinking, I got Timmy, who's 13 years old, who rides the train for two and a half hours, who is on his way here. Because his parents don't believe in therapy. Right. And won't, and won't be. And, and I'm seeing this kid pro bono. And this is a slot that could be his, right? That's what's going through my mind. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, get the hell out of my office. <laughs> right? You know, go fire your CBT because in my mind also, it, it's a comfort. And this I have not, and I don't know how to broach in a therapeutic session. You are comfortable in the place you are in. And you're wanting to be co-sign on where you are in until you are ready to be uncomfortable and move to a different place. And again, I know this is about me and not about the claim. Mm -hmm. I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. That is very time consuming and energy draining for me. But they you are. to co-sign on your level of comfort in your place that you are. You can find somebody else to do that. It don't need to be me. But again, in them finding someone else to do that, are they really receiving the help that they need? The and that the goes that back. They want. Is but is it what we're but sometimes the but the that things that we want are not necessarily the things that we need and, and are not always healthy you. exactly which is why i have a problem with it which is why i say i'm not doing cbt with you right and so come in for one more session right i give that option and they'll say i don't want to do it as long as you give the option I, yes i give the option and one person was like well how can you tell me that you're not going to give me this uh, and I say CBT. There's nothing wrong with cognitive behavioral therapy. I love CBT. The, for those are out there, that was just the first thing right. that came to my mind. So that's the example we're using. But there are those who come in and say, "You can do CBT." I've read your background. Someone's referred you to me. Oh wait, are you CBT. telling me that people are coming in telling you what treat me? What oh treat God, I'm gonna give. So them. for everyone that's listening, that may choose to use. <laughs> Philip Lewis as a therapist, please don't come in and tell him what type of treatment modality he is going to use on you today because it will not happen. I, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I don't want to say it will not happen. Let him assess you first and then you all can choose. We'll work what together we'll in this day, right? I, I, I lay the, 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 the menu out yes. on the table and you make your selection. And I say, you know, I see this at the moment. Mm -hmm. I'm your mirror, right? And mm -hmm. this is what you're giving me. You know that item number two on the list addresses that directly, mm -hmm. right? And then, you know, number three just helps you with this. And number one, that's just kind of the, that's just skill building. Okay. And I don't do a whole lot of skill building. Like, I give you a few sessions and then refer you to the intern or somebody. But if we in here just learning skills to cope with what we got going on. Yeah. Timmy is on the train trying to get to my office so he can do some work. Right. I got to make some time for Timmy. So I'm going to give you a few coping skills. We're going to talk about it. And 
but Timmy is on his way. Yes. Okay. So I get you. I hear you. But then, so so long story short, no. If you have an idea of what you want, definitely let me know. It's not like I say you you can't come in here telling me, especially if I'm skilled in it. Then right. We talk about it. Right. But we make the mutual decision, and I say, you know, this is your past. This is what happened. This is what brought you here. This is what you worked on for seven years. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's try this. And I'll say, they'll say, no, I don't want to try. And I said, well, no, I'm not doing CBT with you at this point. Right. And, and, I, and all it comes to the impasse. Yeah. Here's the referral. Well, and, you know, I was joking, but for any good clinician, no client should come in unless they're looking to do EMDR, it's, right? It's, like if they so, research something, they're exactly. like, I have this response mm-hmm. and I want to try this. Sure. Correct. Give me that information and I will put that in, on the menu and we'll go. Whatever, you know. Right. But for any good clinician, someone coming in to tell me what type of therapeutic treatment or treatment modality they want to use, most clinicians are going to assess that the client and then determine the best course of action to take. Um, again, except for like maybe EMDR because that's so specific, right? right? And even those who come in for EMDR. Yes, you still have to assess. and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. You don't get MDR sometimes if you, if you come in thinking it's going to be a f- okay for you. No, we need mm-hmm. to work on rapport. We need to work on correct behavior modification. Mm-hmm. We need to work on all this stuff before we go down into to these parts of our brain that right. we haven't accessed yet. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that. Like, you know, I was kidding around, but any good, good clinician, we are going to assess the um, client first to determine what's the best course of action. We won't just, oh, I'm coming in for CBT. That's all I want to do. No, we actually need to do an intake and see if that's going to be the best form for you, you know, so. So sometimes I get folks who come in and, well, actually, let me ask you this question. Okay. Why do you think it's important to be honest, authentic, and genuine in a therapeutic setting? For both the therapist and the client? I just go somewhere that we were supposed to be going this morning (laughs) just for the, I guess. In my mind, it was just for the client, but, okay. you know, um, sure. Well, I think it's for both client. because, okay. you know, and we learned this in graduate school that you need to know your own limitations. Right, right. right and you need to know the um, population of people you are willing to work with mm-hmm. and you're not willing to work with. Exactly. Right. So you have to be honest there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone is coming into your office seeking treatment for something you know you are not skilled, skilled in. Or knowledgeable, right. You should be honest with that client and you should go ahead and refer them right. out. Yeah. So I'm I'm very aware of that. But for me, one thing, I guess, which a lot of people have a real hard problem with my age. I guess so I'm being vulnerable right now. So there's some folks who come in and are like, oh, what? How old were you when you joined the military? Because I know <laughs> I've been in the military for 15 or so years yeah. and that can, they can put the math together. Right. Or... You know, when uh, during COVID or whatever, uh, we were on Zoom and I was like, oh, you know, he's a good looking 57 year old. But then I come into the office and I'm like, wait, it's not Zoom. He is like, he's not, he hasn't aged. Mm -hmm. And in my home, this whole time I'm thinking, okay, I've had this, you know, older gentleman who could tell me about being a woman and relationships and all of this stuff. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Back in my day. Yeah, that happens. That does happen. So, so in my mind, like, I don't need to give you all of this information for so you can create a, another story Correct. in your mind about me, which is right. not what therapy is for. So it that's why not. I said the therapist side and the uh, that will be going somewhere else because I was solely focusing on the client. But no, I don't lie to my clients and I don't, you know, be disingenuous at any time, but mm-hmm. I'll let you believe whatever you need to believe for you to be feel better about yourself. That's fine. Right. I don't think we have to discuss anything uh, necessarily personal about ourselves right. with the client as long as the skill set is there right. to help that client. Right. 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 So where I graduated. that's not important. Maybe where I graduated. I mean, you can look that up online. Yeah, and it's on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the degree's on the wall. Yeah, you know, um, so those kind of things, sure, you want to know about my background or whatever, but like, what I've been through, right? My family life, my marriage. Well, what I, you know, and what I tell clients is, this is your time, yours. So, the, trying to discuss me, me and got, and got how is this helping anyway. you? Not any, you know, other than that concept in your mind that you think might be taking place. So, anyway, 
Let's focus on the client being authentic, genuine, and honest in their therapy. Well, it goes back to what we said before. So if you really want therapy to work for you, mm-hmm. it's only going to work as well as you allow it to, meaning however honest you choose to be, right. how vulnerable you choose to be. It's how much progress you make. It's how much progress so you will make. When I find out, this used to be the old me. I'm still I'm still contemplating if it's going to be with me. Okay. Or continue to be Okay. When I would find out that you would lie about something yeah. or keep it, once we're building rapport, you're learning that you can be authentic in this place and this mm-hmm. guy's not going to judge me. I can pull whatever deep, dark thing out of the closet mm-hmm. and I'll be like, oh, okay, tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, that's normal. I, I will, in my mind, normalize it because there's nothing I ain't seen, heard. Or even done, because I'm a human, right? Right. Done myself as a person. Yes. So, first time, yeah, you just getting over this new relationship with Bill. Mm-hmm. Second time, I'm going to let you know I'm a little bothered that you aren't the most authentic in this place. Okay. Third time, find your ass a new therapist. Yeah. My thoughts are you continue to meet the person <laughs> where they are, and you have to remember that Vulnerability takes time. So practice. Come if, back when you're ready. But it's you have to sometimes you have to learn to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So telling someone to come back when they're ready, <laughs> you're just setting them back a few steps, right? So you have go to and, and, and here and here's the thing. Go see the team, Michelle. Well, no, they've already built the rapport with I you, know, Philip I'm Lewis. I know. But I work with a lot of children, you know this. Right. Oh, and I so kids. Uh, so, but, and, but here's the but here's the thing that though that helps them. those yeah. so these people that we're dealing with as adults, mm-hmm. they were once children. I'm the same. And so that's what they learn exactly. And, they, yeah. and so to think that in a few weeks they're going to be willing to just open up and so team, I'm not kicking people out in three weeks. I know this, but oh. this is the example that you gave. Right. So I'm going with it. Oh, I said three three times, right? So that's, that's three weeks. Look, that's. Three times doesn't mean three weeks. As in, well, for we me, it means three, three weeks. Ago and oh, some, three and, times. And something you said in January, I am now finding out is not um, not reconcilable for where we are in June. Right. Right. That's time number one. Now we're getting to the end of the summer. Yes. And I realized that this whole concept that we've been working on was something that you haven't told me the full right. breath of. Okay. Now we're at August. Yes. That's in time number two. We get to the winter. One thing, you already up um, almost on your time <laughs> with me as a therapist. We approaching a year right now. <laughs> but and some people need that time. Point. I know some people need that voice. Yes. But and if now we in the fall and the snow is falling, and I find out that this whole concept of self that we've been working on is something that hasn't been the most authentic. Right. You have wasted your time. And have life. they? In some aspects, so and I get what you're saying. Yes, they're 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 working towards building rapport, working towards being authentic. Well, the rapport is the, the rapport the is there, there because right. if the, the rapport, rapport wasn't there, there then you wouldn't be able to exactly catch to them in exactly. Uh, so uh, the rapport is there, but right. it, it's on their timeline. Yeah, I get it, and at this point, I'm practicing this thing where I'm talking about radical acceptance. Like the sooner you embrace yourself, but what? But so like sooner is subjective, though, because is what, is your, what is your what is your sooner compared to the client? It's very subjective, right? I so, know. and this is why I'm bringing it up, and I'm saying that I'm working on it. Okay, to be checked by my close friend. Okay, <laughs> so yes, it is very subjective, but I wholeheartedly believe that the sooner we open ourselves up, and and you don't even have to be the therapist. There's some things you don't have to tell me, right? Mm-hmm. There's some things that are just between me and God. Right. Right. That's it. Absolutely. Some things that are just between me and God. Mm -hmm. Nobody else has the rights to. Not even my therapist. Right. right? Okay. So I understand that concept. But if you aren't being honest with yourself after a while, and I feel like that I have uh, utilized all the the weapons in my arsenal, Mm -hmm. that I have dug deep in my toolbox, Mm -hmm. that I have use myself as an example, which I don't do very often. Right. Those um, who I think really need help with connection and authenticity, yeah. I might say, hey, I dealt with this. Or, I, I've, you know, those kind of things to help them pull out. And if we coming up and the snow was falling and I met you last winter and it seems <laughs> like we still struggling, 
I might say there is this real cool clinician that I know named Tima Davis. I think she is so good at meeting people where they are and helping them through this process. But, you know, I got a retirement plan for the last next four oh, years, gosh. and I don't know if I'm going to be here for you. Oh, so let me just go ahead and get you to see her. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that, again, I believe in giving that person the space they need. And when they're ready to continue to open up about certain things, they will. But as the therapist, as it's important that right. So as therapist, it's important though that you call them out. And I tell clients all the time, you know, sometimes therapy is going to be hard. It's just a part of the therapeutic process and exhausting it physically and emotionally you know but um i would continue to or i would say is it something that is causing you to feel uncomfortable where you cannot yeah Yeah. where you cannot that's where i get personal yeah and i let them ask me questions it's still not personal though it's still about that climate that's what i meant and And i don't mean it like personal yeah and if they can't and if they can't, and, and if they are saying whatever their whatever their response may be, then that's where a referral may need to mm-hmm. come in. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell a client, you know, whatever whatever new therapist you choose to see, make sure they're not this, or have or them call me, sign a release of information form, mm-hmm. so that we can discuss your journey this far, mm-hmm. so that you don't have to repeat everything and you can move forward mm-hmm. from there. Because here's one thing too that I forgot to mention. In one case, I had someone who sought me because, or I don't think because, but it came out later that I reminded them of their abuser. Okay. And I was just like, this isn't healthy for you, bro. Right. Like, uh, maybe I can see how this could be a form of desensitization. Maybe. Maybe. But that needs to be discussed. Absolutely. And that can be a part of your progress, right? But now that this has come out, Six months later, and every time you've had a visual, negative, emotional, physical, sexual, traumatic response, yeah. it has been by a black guy who's 6'1", 245 pounds. Yeah. With a beard. Uh-huh. Um, no, no, we need to get you to somebody that you feel comfortable and safe with, mm-hmm. and then you work on these sets of You jump in the gun, right? right. So I, I miss that. And that's so a difference in that. Right. That, Absolutely. That are, need to be discussed and mm-hmm. need to be processed. And I'm like, bro, Timmy is on the train. You're occupying space for Timmy. You and Timmy. <laughs> Boy, I tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, but thank you for that. Um, Who gets to decide when a therapist is the best fit? I think the therapist as well as the client. Okay. I'm glad you summed that up really quick because I believe that. But sometimes it's hard for people to understand that we get a say in this too. We do. Yeah. You know, it, especially if you're a good clinician. Mm-hmm. See, would you like me to elaborate on yeah, that? Please. Okay. So <clears throat> I've had clients that come in. Um, for an example, I had a client come in. Well, let me go back. So two. So one, we talked about this a little bit. Um, a client came in um, it, that was in a polyamorous relationship. I know nothing about that. And so I told the client, I was very upfront and honest, and I said, you know, I don't know anything about polyam- polyamorous lifestyle. I I can help you with relationships. So if you're willing to, you know, teach me what all it entails as far as the polyamorous lifestyle and I'll learn a little on my own, then I'm more than willing to work with you on relationships or whatever the issue may be. But if you want someone well-versed and have that knowledge already, then you need to seek out another therapist. Um, And then I have clients who have like severe sexual trauma, like some of the kids I work with. And I will let... um, the parents know, listen, I can help your child in this area, this area, and this area. I cannot help them when it comes to severe sexual trauma or body dysmorphia or things of that nature that I know I am not skilled at. And so they'll see me for certain things like anxiety, depression, whatever the case may be, and they'll refer or I'll refer them out to someone who 
is specifically skilled in sexual trauma. And so they'll have like a dual therapist. See, maybe maybe I'm not as nice as you. Why? Because I've had someone follow my license. Which didn't bother Follow me. your license? F- file. Oh. File, yeah. Because they, I I don't know if this is discriminatory because, so let me back up. So we have an ethical duty. So Satima was just giving an example about a poly lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And so she said that if you teach me, I will also do my research on my own, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are ethically bound. If there's something we're coming across or something yes. we're working on, we have to go back and either seek consultation, right. get more training, pay for another class. Right. We have to invest whatever time or money mm-hmm. to make sure that we understand this thing to the point of where we can help. Absolutely. Right? However, when it comes to substance use for me. Oh, that's another one. I, I don't is now. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had someone who come to say who, who needed support for their addiction, substance right. solely. And I'm saying, well, I can help you with this, that, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not a substance use counselor. Correct. Because that is a whole nother It field. is. Yes, it is. There's a whole nother field mm-hmm. that you have to get training, certification, and education on. And I'm not, at this point, I'm, a, I'm in school. I was about to say I'm not going back to school, but I'm actually in school right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> at this point, I'm not going back to school for substance use. Right. So I say, you know, we're going to find you someone who can do this protocol that I also know. But is actually a certified substance. Absolutely. No, you're LCSW. You're you have your BCD, and you're this, this, and this, and you're supposed to see me. No. No, no, bro. No, no. I mean, you could actually practicing uh, ethically. But go ahead. Well, you could actually be well versed in a um substance use or not even sub any. It could be CBT as we were talking about before, and you still may not think that you and the client are best the best fit. Mm -hmm. So. It can it it really is for both people to build that rapport. Absolutely. So uh, there may be a client that I just don't like. I'll say it because the team ain't gonna say it on the air. I don't have nothing to lose. There's some that people you, that, that come just in. Just recognize you, you are just, not. You cannot. Let me just give an example. Just just for those. <laughs> there may be some transference going on. As soon as you see the person, you're like, no. So let, we'll talk about transference later in another session because in case some <laughs> folks might not know. But I will have a client who come in and say that they're the most hated demographic. Yes. In the world. And th- this was during the election. I remember. When the House and Senate were being. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. like. If Republicans win the House, I have to move to Canada. Yeah. Because being a gay white man. Right. I'm the most hated person in America. Yes. It is unsafe. We are at the most risk. And I looked and I said, I'm sorry you feel that way. Because this is how this is. This is how. That's right. That is how he feels. That is okay. Mm -hmm. But for me to sit in this office and you say and you not even have the, I don't even know what it is called, yeah. consideration. Yeah. I mean, and I have a black woman that I'm seeing after you. You've already disrupted my whole mood. Yeah. Right? So I I don't know if I can continue with you. Right. So, yes, there are some things that transfer. Absolutely. My spirit just shifts. Right. Right. My soul the whole, is disturbed. Your whole mindset for <laughs> today is just all ruined. me and this yeah. is not the client. Right. Absolutely. And in order for me to make sure that you were getting what you need. Right. Appropriately. To be a responsible for clinician. To, for me to be a responsible and prudent clinician. Yes. For me to work on my stuff. You might need to go see somebody else and has nothing to do with you and everything to do with how I have a visceral response to someone saying that the most endangered person in America is not a black woman for me. And that's just my personal thing. Right. I think we need to protect. And I think as a clinician, that's that's important to know. And that's important to know. And then I discuss that with that client and they call me. And that's okay, yeah, too. okay, too. I said, all right, cool, my brother. Because just because we ain't the same skin color, don't mean you ain't my brother. <laughs> right. right. Cool, my brother. I love you. Yeah. I wish you well. And I've had you and I've had clients that have, after like the first or second session, decided to go with a different therapist. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I was okay with that Damn. because, you know, I believe in giving people the time they need. Mm-hmm. 
But sometimes I'm just like, I don't know if I'm really the best fit for this person. Not because I cannot help them, right. but just it's because stuff I need to work. Yeah, mm-hmm. we can go that route. What sure. You well, you know, like I'm just thinking of a client who, um, this man, he had an affair on his wife. Mm-hmm. And so he basically wanted this woman to get over it. He was like, I've apologized. Um, and he was like, you know, she told me to do it. She told me to do it. And I'm like, okay, Satima, um, I'm trying to help him to see that his actions were wrong and you have to give this woman time to heal from the Right, no matter how long it takes. Right, and... She was also talking about she wanted a divorce and all of these things. And he was like, we're going to have to split everything. And so is it really about the marriage or is it about your finances? And so sometimes when you call people out on things, they don't like that. Um, And for me, in my mind, I was just like, this person is a narcissist. And I really don't think I want to work with work with him. But that's my issue. Right. So I'll still continue to work with this person to see if, if we if can get what I'm thinking is correct or if we can get through it. But I mean, he fired me like after the third session because, you know, I continued to call him out oh, on oh, his own actions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he didn't oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. Really. So, and I don't know if you remember um, my second podcast, I think it was, where I had the young brother come in. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to hurt. And he was like, sometimes I feel like you just nudge me. Out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I remember. Same dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and it can either go where they fire you or they can lean into that thing that is they know is exposed and I'm poking at or um or I am trying to get them to see that it's pissing them off or, mm-hmm. or you know, and they can actually be like, you know you're right. Well, and I think too it depends on the therapist and and who it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So as a black woman telling a Caucasian man that he's wrong, you know, and you need to hold yourself accountable for your actions and not, yeah, you know, it's like, and, and I mean, and those have been the only people that have actually fired me. I've never had, yes, I, the, I think it's been about three times and each time has been by a Caucasian older white man. Because the dynamic, the power dynamic is different. <laughs> it is because and, yes, and I think that you know some, dynamic, yeah. you know, and I'm pretty, and I tell all of my clients this: I am very straightforward mm-hmm. in therapy. I mean, I joke around because mm-hmm. I think laughter is healing and all of that, but I am very straightforward. Mm-hmm. So if I think that you're not being truthful, if I think that you're blaming others or projecting mm-hmm. onto someone else, mm-hmm. I'm going to call you out on that immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait. And so some people, they don't like that. And it tends to be like older white males. For me, in my experience, I've only, you know, I've only had like three times where uh, uh, a client has been like, you know. Like black men for me. And you know. No, the black men great. have been great. I, I love working with black, black men. Black women, but go ahead. But, but that's just my fault. Oh, okay. Um, they, 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 I think. They, I, they, I like working they with black men. Yeah. Because the. Because it's different. It's. Yeah, okay. Um, I think for me, maybe sometimes, especially if they think we're the same age or we're at the same station or, or they were a prior military and they mm-hmm. read whatever, we're peers coming yeah. into a space, mm-hmm. which is okay, whatever, thank you, what would you want? But if my peer is now making me face something that it's not supposed to be my peer, it's supposed to be an older man or, old, you know, a yeah. retiree or, or a black woman, that's that's hard because sometimes they come in thinking they're, we're social, it's a social hour. Like we supposed to oh, be cool yes. brothers and, mm-hmm. and help them build each other up and and um and feeding into um the whatever you you're wanting to build or concept for yourself. Well, sometimes it might be me me ripping something back right. or opening up a door that you're not ready for. And that and that so for me it has been um other brothers. But oh, I think okay. yeah, it has been. Um and it's quite interestingly enough, my my wife and brothers, they they love it. And well, it's fluency. Yeah, and then, and then, so I think it's the dynamic. But going back to a statement I said earlier, and then and then we'll move on to my final two questions. Okay. Just to clarify, I'm not trying to profess that black women are are need to be protected by everybody. That previous statement I said, oh. that is just my belief. For those listening, I I think and I live my life in a way 
where that if if I don't even know you, I'm protecting you mm-hmm. as, a, as a black woman, right? And and not that I don't protect other people or if I'm on the train and I see somebody who needs help or anything. If yes. you know me at all, I'm right. just a protector. Even yes, if I don't are. like you, right. you know, I will go to war for you, You're right? right? But I wholeheartedly believe that there is a particular interest for me because there is a population called the black woman that is unsafe in this world. So I'm not trying to discount anybody else's understanding of where there are or what's going on in society today. Mm-hmm. That is just my understanding and it's something that I work on. So when you were coming to the space, I always acknowledge, you know, just being a woman in general is difficult. Just being someone who's not able-bodied is difficult. Right. Just being someone who's LGBTQ plus is is difficult oh, there's difficulties to every facet of life but yes. you will never sit in my office and say that to me and think i'm going to still be your therapist right right so that's just so i just wanted to clarify that but also you said something that you were working with someone earlier you gave me the example of kids you don't work with sexual trauma I do work I mean, with, work well, with but if it's severe right, you know severe like bestiality and things like that i'm not right and I don't want to be. Gotcha. Uh, and that's fine. You know. So you, refer, you sometimes you refer to me or you refer to other people, right. whatever. Um, but you said you I I can work with the anxiety or the depression and they can get someone else. I have a hard time working with, and I don't know if you meant with get someone else as in working in tandem with another therapist. Yes. I have a hard time working with someone who has seen two therapists if I don't know your therapist. So we're not talking regularly. What are your thoughts? I think that is a disservice to the client. Yeah. Um, if we are working, like you said, in tandem, then, okay, that's great, right? But I mean, if we're checking in, absolutely. I'm working on these things, you're working on those things, yes. and we're tag-teaming. Yes. You know, we're not... Here are my, here are my notes. Yeah, right. we are. You know, but what? if you come to see me and your therapist don't know, <laughs> or you haven't fired your old therapist right. because that's a safe space for you to just talk about the week, right. and, but you're taking what we talk about to right. your old therapist and getting their and opinion getting their opinion on yeah. what I'm doing, mm-hmm. bye. No, bye, I... I... <laughs> and my twin sister's name is Felicia, and I, I say bye to her all the time. <laughs> by Felicia. <laughs> so I'm in agreement with you on that. I do not want to see a client and they have another therapist and we were basically working on the same issues or, you know, you're work or you're telling this, this therapist one thing and you're telling me something totally different. Mm-hmm. How is that helpful to you? So no, I would not work with someone who's seen two therapists for the exact same issues right. you know right. but if it's for something where you know that i really can't help you in this area then yeah what's your biggest pet peeve about this thing we call therapy let's see my biggest pet peeve well crazy enough my biggest pet peeve is when people lie to me <laughs> because then we have to go back a lot of times right you gotta go back. but um but i understand why they do it to protect them absolutely but if you need protection from me then you might need to some season letter and the other biggest i'm ready to get rid of i know (laughs) the other biggest pet peeve is just communication if you know that you're not going to make it to an appointment oh yeah just you know send me a message really quickly or leave a voicemail it's okay i understand life happens But for me to have to sit there and wait 15 minutes and you know that you're not showing, even if you show up and say, hey, you know, because I, most of my appointments are virtual except for with kids. Mm-hmm. Even if you know something's come up, even if you pop on the camera just to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to make it. I'm sorry. I'm OK with that. But to know that you are not going to make that session and there is absolutely no That's communication, that is Yes, especially after two no shows. Yeah, yeah can, that that is I my biggest pet peeve. Someone who wants to do this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I can go. You know, I can work with somebody all day, but yeah, just respect my time because respect I'm respect your time. because no respect my time yeah. because I'm respecting your time. I show up on time. I'm there for you. I'm mentally there for you when it's you show up. Absolutely. So it is. I don't think people. Minute, mm-hmm. You don't. I mean, we are reading, yes. researching, we are putting notes together, we're making notes to ourselves about what to do, what to ask, or how to, we're talking to each other. And Absolutely, yes. Which sometimes costs money mm-hmm. to call someone else and say, hey, what are your thoughts on mm-hmm. this, right? Um, so there's a lot that goes into okay. it. And good so that, clinicians, that, you know, we're not thinking about things like when 
we see you for your time slot. After those sessions, even at the end of the day, you know, we're thinking about clients. We're coming up with different strategies or things that we feel may be helpful, books that you may be be able to be helpful to you. Music, music, all of those things. Yes. So, you know, so just be respectful of our time because, you know, good clinicians are respectful of your time. So that's my biggest pet peeve. Anything for me? No. All right. Well, I appreciate you shouting out. I appreciate you too. This has been the after session. Thank you. You've been listening to the after session with Philip Lewis. I hope this time has been beneficial to you in some way. If you like some of the topics discussed, you can visit lewiscounseling.org and click on the after session. Or follow me on Instagram at the after session underscore. This podcast has been produced by Logan Wesley. You can follow Logan at onelawmusic.com or on Instagram at the number one L-A-W underscore music. Be good to yourself. <laughs>